It's time for the Voice of Reason podcast. Here are your hosts, Sean Phillips, Andy Van Beber, and Travis Kirkendall. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Voice of Reason. It is an odd day for us to do it, but it is a Wednesday. My name is Andy Van Beber. Travis Kirkendall, Travis Kirkendall, right over there. Over there. That's me. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Over there. And <laughs> we are the Voice of Reason. It is October. I have to look at my watch. It's October the 4th, and we are on a different night, but... You know, we got to the point last night where we were saying, hey, life happens. It happens that way. And that's okay. So I'm okay. Yeah, I, I couldn't do last night. Forgive me. No, 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 no. Actually. And I was like rushing to the clock trying to make it happen at night too. No. It, <laughs> that's why I was like, it's not okay. I, I would prefer eight, but I just, I can't make it happen. Well, it, that actually was cool last night because dude, I had the night before I only had like four and a half hours of sleep. So after you said that, I was like, oh, thank you. And I went upstairs and I fell asleep. My wife wakes me up an hour and a half later and says, hey, go to bed. I was like, what time is it? She's like, it's 930, you old man. Go to bed. And so I was, uh, but yeah, that actually worked out pretty good. And, uh, but man, been a great, it's been a great weekend and getting ready to head to the great state of Texas on Friday for my niece's wedding. Not looking forward to driving down to Texas on Friday. What part, what part of Texas? Texarkana. So basically the, the basically about the farthest northwest or northeast corner of Texas you can go to up in the panhandle. So Texarkana, my niece and her husband to be um, both work in a in a large church there and it's a college town. And they're both, uh, well, she, my, my niece is a college minister, minister to the college students. And then my future nephew-in-law is, uh, working, I believe with youth, I believe. But, uh, so, you know, we're, we're, yes, yes, we're, yes. Thank you. We're very happy for that. But I will be DJing said wedding and, uh. Yes, the crowd is always so supportive. You gotta love it. (laughs) Yeah. So. (laughs) <laughs> we but uh, no, we'll head down on Friday and head back on Sunday. So I was talking to one of our listeners um, last weekend, who's a, who drives for uh, Dot Foods, and he was telling me all the ins and the outs and the ways to go and everything. So thank you, uh, Jonathan Guthrie, for that. Um, but uh, no, that was uh, that was that. Uh, finished up the old cross country season for my daughter this this weekend. That was good. Um, my son is, we're two weeks away from finishing soccer. My life will get somewhat simpler, just be swimming in basketball then. So I'm telling you, Travis, enjoy these diaper, poopy diaper days when they're coming. Enjoy the poopy diaper days and, you know, sitting there quietly snuggling with your son and just, you know, not worrying about anything. And then boom, it just. And then it just starts like yeah, before a, you know it, you got to get them to three different sports practices. There's appointments and yeah, 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 embraces and eye doctors and everything else. But that's so is the life of a parent. How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was good. My dad came up for the weekend, and we uh, kind of hung out. I haven't seen him in a while. Took the dogs. He brought his up. We both went up to the lake and out there on sunday and took a lot of good food and just had a really good laid-back weekend man it was good. Good. awesome we've been rushing a lot and you know doing a lot of home improvements and a little last minute things getting ready for thomas and it's been stressful so it was a nice to have a good relaxing weekend and yeah it was it was good to have him up here and we should explain to our listeners tonight that you are out actually taking the dog on a walk tonight which is we may we we may need to explain the last time you took a walk on the podcast was in the was on the dangerous streets of Chicago itself, 
And but now uh, this no, I've done walks. I've done walks um, here in my neighborhood. Oh, have show. You? I guess I just uh, yeah. There you go. Anyway, no, I don't. I think I did do a show once when I was living in Chicago, though, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, it, I I remember those days. So, um, but the, no, I I needed to. He's been inside all day, and oh, as soon as I got get home, it yeah. another project. He's a chessy man. They need activity, or they just they're miserable. So. Thank you for letting me do this. Oh, hey, it's no problem. But hey, you know what? When you have those days of of the the government is like a gift that gives and gives and gives to podcasters. And my oh my, what a cluster fudge the government gave to us for this week's show. So much so that we just <laughs> We don't, I mean, we'll try to get as much of it in as we can this week, but geez. What I will a- say the great thing about covering politics in our podcast is you usually always have material to talk about, <laughs> like always, There's, especially recently. Yes, yes. As long as you have someone named Joe Biden or Donald Trump involved, there's always material Throw in a little Mike McCarthy, and that's just to name a few, and then and then a little Matt Getz, you know, and I mean, heck, you're one. What is it? You're one, you know, teenager away from a party with Matt Getz anyway. So that's hey, what hey, shots fired. Yeah, I, I heard I that investigation picking up steam again. I wish it would. God, he needs to get out of the news. But uh, that's, yeah, McCarthy probably paid someone off to re. To, he probably paid to have that headline pop up again. Yeah. The, uh, we, we are, uh, so we did, uh, tonight's, uh, name of tonight's episode is Big Trouble in Little D.C. Uh, you know. <laughs> That's a great title. <laughs> so. I love it. Yeah. So there's, you know, we were gonna, so we, we mentioned, we alluded to this last week. And if you follow our Facebook page, you saw that our photo this week was actually, once again, fact-checked by the A.I., uh, that the, uh, and, uh, the, uh, let me get the photo, let me bring the photo up, but the photo in, in reference was to the dress code in, in, uh, the Senate. And, uh, so, um, Rand Paul, no, Ron, yeah, Rand Paul, who is a senator. Yeah, it was Rand Paul. But... Was he, he's from Kentucky, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. So he, he's from Kentucky and he, so he does this. He does this, uh, he did this Facebook, or he did this Snapchat, or uh, not Snapchat, what am I trying to think here? The um, Did he post it on Twitter? It was on Twitter, that's what it was. Or X, I'm sorry? Yeah, on, X. yeah it, was, it was on X, and he, what he did was, he did the, he did this shoot, and I'm, I'm bringing up the photo right now, but it's, it's a classic and this was in response to the senator. I cannot think. I can't remember his name right now, but he's the guy who was in the. Oh, he had the. Uh, he always he always went around in in hoodies and everything like that. And Fetterman, so, right? Yeah, Fetterman, right? And so then, what you get then is this photo right here. So this is a photo of of Rand Paul on the steps of the Capitol, and he. He posted on X. He said, "I I thought there would be no photos," <laughs> and so that was kind of the precursor to all this talk of, uh, you know, that was that was the news story there for a while of the dress code in the, you know, and I'm sorry, but Fetterman, you know, I know you want to look like a regular guy. What's his reasoning for it? Like they, from what I've read, they passed this as a means to like accommodate for him specifically. Well, unless I read that wrong, but like, what's the reasoning to not dress professional in that job? Well, part of it is he had he had a he had a he had a he had a stroke. He, He so he's a stroke survivor. And, you know, and I've also heard stuff about him. He had made a statement once. Um, what was what was it he said? I mean, Mitch McConnell still wears suits. That guy's going on two strokes now. <laughs> on live television, none the bit less. 
but basically, he had said, uh, what was it, John Fetterman's questionable taste in clothes, uh, good for the system. Uh, what was it? Uh, was there a question mark after that good for the system? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, he, yeah, they show him, I mean, he's always wearing his sweatshirt, you know. But you, then when you see him wearing a shirt and a tie, it always is, I, like every every picture I see of with him with a shirt and tie on, his tie's like either crooked or his collar. He looks like he just doesn't belong in a suit, you know. And, but a lot of it, some of the, some of the people have said, uh, what, the calling the rule change disgraceful and dumbing down of standards. And he said, which I'm actually on that side. He said, I, and so this is Fetterman's response. He said, I guess to Fox news, wearing a hoodie is more of a scandal than grabbing the hot, uh, grabbing the hog during a live musical or show dingling picks in a public hearing, which are two actual things house Republicans have done lately. Um, okay. I mean, fair play. He's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he said dress codes have been getting relaxed everywhere, and since Congress is following a trend that already taken off in business, banking law, and all over the place. Um, okay, but this is the U.S. Senate. You know, to me, I'm uh, you're you're a professional. You're you're a professional. He's he's. Uh, Whenever we so we do this thing every year with the Missouri YMCA, we do this thing. It's called the Youth in Government. Up, it's a government simulation up in Jefferson City, and one of the rules that we have to do is when when you're there, you have to be in You have to be in what they call capital dress, which is ladies have to wear a dress and 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 either a dress or a you know, pantsuit or something, and guys have to wear a shirt, tie, slacks, and and a, and a and a sports coat. That's that's professional dress. That's capital dress. You know, if if I'm you know if I'm working the 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 night shift at the local Seven Eleven, okay, I'm I'm not going to be really concerned about what I'm wearing. But if I'm a U.S. senator. Who makes a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year? I might add. I'm going to dress the part. <laughs> okay, I, you know, yeah, for sure. I'm in the last. I'm in the last. Uh, the last phase of my teaching career, and I, I totally redid my my wardrobe this year. I, I, I bought a ton of these shirts from this Timu that advertises on Facebook, and I, I, I guarantee I've got about twenty-five shirts from them. And they're cheap, and they're made for big guys, but they're still dressy, and they're still nice, and they're not like cruddy clothes. But you know, they're all graphic—it's like a graphic tee, but in a dress shirt, and and it's a Hawaiian shirt. So I wear those, and I think it's that's cool, and the kids get a dig out of it and everything. But never in my wildest dreams would I wear a hoodie or sweatpants or anything like that, flip flops, whatever, to my job. I'm not going to come, you, you dress for what you're working in, you know, I mean, we have casual Fridays and we, you know, you know, I'll wear a t-shirt and jeans, but other than that, I'm, I'm, I want to dress to where I'm, I look halfway professional, I guess. I don't, I don't, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, Congress is, in my opinion, what should be one of the most professional environments there is. In my opinion, right? You're representing millions of people. Uh, you're writing legislation that affects an entire country. There's a lot, a lot at stake, and there's a lot of responsibility. Um, and like it or not, yeah, you know, appearance is everything. And you know, you wear a suit and tie, and you look good. You, you fit the part. I mean, it's that to me is professionalism, especially when it comes to something like that. If I see. If I see a, a leader on, you know, let's just say Fox News or whatever, whatever the news source is, and you know they're, they're talking from, they're getting interviewed from, let's say the Capitol building, yeah, and they're rocking a hoodie and gym shorts and like some shitty old torn up van shoes or something. Yeah, that doesn't give me confidence. That doesn't give me like, 
oh wow, my leader looks great. You know, <laughs> that's or, an episode of Maury Povich. I don't know. It just I it mean, just looks ridiculous. It doesn't right. make you look like oh, I want to look. What what did Fetterman say? He wanted to look more like like the common man. The like common no, you man. look like a fool. Right. Well, you because any common man in that position would know. Like hey, I should probably go wear something nice. Right. Well, and I I also thought you know I I think to pass it's laziness. It's th- pure laziness. I think to past presidents, and I think, um, you know, I may not, I may not have been a Donald Trump fan, but the man was impeccable in his dress. You know, even even if he's out playing golf, when in the times when he's out playing golf, he wore, you know, he wore a, a polo, you know, nice pants and everything else like that. Obama, whenever Obama would have somebody over for like a casual interview or something like that, or he's talking about sports. He still would have a, a button-up dress shirt. He may not have a tie on, but he's still, you know. And so, I mean, there's there's ways. I mean, yeah, to, Obama always dressed nice till that tan suit. Then it yeah. was just all hell broke <laughs> the loose. Tans. On that one. Yes, I kind of let you forget about that. The one. tan suit so debacle. Oh man, yeah, they were worried. Think about this. This was back in what 2007, 2006. They were 2006. freaking out that a president wore a tan suit, and now we're letting. Congressional members just wear whatever they want. You know, I'm going to. I how the times have changed. There's a there's a. I'll say one more thing. We'll move on. There's this classic. Um, it was it was post 9/11, and it was uh, a, a, it was a skit on Saturday Night Live, and Will Will Ferrell was on, and it was a skit about you know dress Amer you know to support America Day you know support Patriots Day and dress American and everything. And everybody's got on, you know, their, oh, no, it was the 4th of July is what it was. But they're celebrating the, you know, it's right before the 4th weekend. And there's this one guy who's got on, you know, the flag, a flag tie. And he's in, you know, he's got on a shirt. And then there's a gal who has, like, on the red, white, and blue dress and everything. And Will, Will Ferrell comes in wearing a flag speedo, just barely covering his nutsack. And... <laughs> Oh, I remember that one. That's a classic. <laughs> he's doing all this stuff. He's just like posing and, hey, I thought we were dressing patriotic and I'm just trying to do. And it was, uh, I, I. Acting, he's acting all normal about it too. Yeah. Like not even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a classic skit. So. And people are like, they're like barely keeping it together during the whole show. <laughs> I know. And that's what, that's, that's back in the good old days, but. So yeah, for sure. Well, let's let's take this in chron. I guess we can take this in chronological order. Um, let's just say first we started this ridiculous topic because Congress, quite frankly, is just ridiculous. The House is ridiculous, and uh, we thought this would be a great opening. Well, yeah, because there's everything that's happened in the past few days. There's yeah, it, it was kind of funny that uh, it was kind of it was kind of funny how the response that I got was the, um, I, so I got an email yesterday, uh, from one of my coworkers who's were real, you know, we, Amanda Henderson, we talk a lot of politics and she said, did I miss something? Did we actually just fire a speaker of the house? And I was like, yeah, we did. We did that. And she's like, why? And so, you know, you go through the whole thing, but to, to go back to the roots of the, so, this all and we've been talking about the government shutdown for what three we've we've at least touched on it for about the last three weeks. We've been yeah we've been doing updates on it and, and we've been staying with this and a lot of it had to do with different areas of spending, uh, debate over how much money to send to the Ukraine, um, relief efforts in Hawaii. Um, what were some of the other things? There was stuff in there about. You know, um, I'm trying to think. I'm drawing a blank right now, but there was just a bunch. The border was a big one. The border, yeah, stuff at the border. Spending. They wanted mass cuts in spending is what they were pushing on. I think even uh, the far right guys were even going so far as they wanted to defund like three letter agencies. Yeah. From what I was reading. Yeah. And Uh, so there was a lot of things that both sides were fighting for in this. And it was getting, so you had, and and in this argument, you had three sides, actually. So you had the Republicans, you had the Democrats, and then you had what was called the Freedom Caucus, okay? So the Freedom, Cof- Com- oh, Freedom Caucus is led by a Republican represented by the name of Jim, Jeffers, Jim Jeffries. 
And he is, he's the guy who you always see in the reels and in the TikToks of, you know, whenever there's somebody there and that represents the Biden administration, he's giving them the nth degree and all this stuff. And so Jim Jeffers, Jim Jeffries and Matt Getz, these were the two guys who were really behind this push to get, they want, they wanted, they wanted the government to shut down. Why? Because you've got these, and basically this Freedom Caucus consists of about, I think it really consists of about 10 to 15 Republican far-right representatives. And the Republican mainstream has always tried to kind of shuffle them off and keep them, you know, okay, we'll give you your little, you know, your, 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 your moment in the sun, we'll give it to you here and there. And it didn't, you know, when it came time to voting in a new Speaker of the House, you had you had the Republicans and then you had the Freedom Caucus who didn't want to have it. They, they wanted anybody but Kevin McCarthy in there. And so one of the things that Kevin McCarthy did was he gave so many... He gave so many different concessions to so many. He made so many deals that he really spread himself thin on the Speaker of the House position. And one of the things that he did was that he gave he gave a, a stipulation that okay, if I become Speaker of the House, I will make it. I'll change the House rules to where it would only take one person to basically raise a vote of no confidence. I have one question before you continue with that. Yes. Was that just for his uh, position as speaker, or is that for any? No, that was just forward? that was just for the speaker. That was just for the speaker. For and, but no, but I'm saying like, was that just for his case, or is that going to be the rule moving forward now? That's a great question. I, I from what I because what I I had I didn't read too detail on it, but someone had, I had read a comment that like the government has now made it easier for them to change a speaker anytime they want. But I didn't see, like, in any official writing if it was just McCarthy's case or if that was the new rule moving forward. From what So this is uh, from what I'm reading from the Philadelphia Examiner. It says, McCarthy cut a deal with conservatives in January as he sought to gain enough support to become Speaker that he, that he allowed a single, to wear a single member of the House to force a vote to oust him. Okay. And usually a lot of these kind of votes of no confidence and there's, I actually did some research on this. The last time that this happened was 100 years ago in 1923. Okay. And if I am not mistaken, it was our own, 1923 might've been when it was our own Missouri, uh, Pike County's own Champ Clark was Speaker of the House. And so that might have been him. And so, but even in that case, you needed, I forgot what the, I believe it was two-thirds, you needed a two-thirds push to be able to even push the vote. And Kevin McCarthy was dumb to be able to say, okay, I'll allow for one vote to be able to oust me. Okay, so that's the backstory of that. Fast forward then to this last weekend. We are literally hours from government shutdown. The government was set to shut down, I believe it was midnight Saturday or midnight Sunday. I couldn't remember which one it was. But McCarthy meets with, and he's primarily dealing with Democrats. He's not watching all of the Judases and Brutuses behind his back with their knives ready. But he... He makes the deal, and it, the deal was a 45-day stopgap spending bill. Okay? So in so this stopgap spending bill, funding bill, what it basically comes down to is uh, some, of the, some of the few details were, it said, um, this version of this stopgap spending bill was set to include $6 billion in aid for Ukraine. Um... It said the final House-backed bill scrapped that funding, but it did include $16 billion for disaster relief, which I was was glad to hear that. 
and it would temporarily reauthorize the Federal Aviation Administration, which had it was facing a midnight expiration. Okay, and and then Joe, it made it through the Senate. Joe signed it. So in 45 days, and here's the bad part: 45 days, we're going to revisit this issue again. But in a and so then in a later statement. McCarthy would make this state, he would say, someone had to be the adult in the room. Yep, I watched that live when he said that. Okay, so when you make that statement, you are implying that the Senate and the House, there's nobody who's, or the Republicans and Democrats, rather, there was no one who was being adult enough to stand up and do what was right. No one was, no one was willing to make the compromise. In my eyes, McCarthy is trying to do eighty styles politics. You know, like using analog styles politics in a in a you know in a in a digital world, because that you know the idea of compromise is a thing of the past when it comes to be, you know, when it comes to be the getting things done. And so this freedom caucus then looks at this and says, this guy betrayed us. And McCarthy goes on all of the Sunday shows and he makes this statement, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, let bring it on. I'll be able to survive. At that time, it was believed that it was going to be Jim Jeffries, Matt Getz, I forgot. They thought it was going to be four rogues that were going to break away. So what ends up happening is then yesterday, then Matt Getz, he, 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 uh, he, he puts it, he puts it out there. He makes the move that he would, that he's going to out, that he's going to put the vote out there to, to put the, the no confidence vote in. And then the response then from uh, from McCarthy on Sunday was, he said, I'll, re- I'll survive, he said, calling the challenge from Matt Getz personal. And he said, Matt Getz is more interested in securing TV interviews. And I actually would agree with that. Matt Getz is a media whore. I would too. Matt Getz is a media whore. You know, 34 years, and he's, and he's a young guy, 34 years old. 34 years old. And he is... He I and mean, ironically, now that he's stirring up all this shit, I was reading articles that now he's in talks of trying to run for Florida governor, and they're saying he's next in line for that. Matt Getz is. That's what I was reading. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. So, and then Ron DeSantis is already jumping on this. You know, how could the dem? He's somehow trying to put the spin on this is the Republicans or the Democrats' fault. And Donald Trump, who's in the middle of his fraud case in New York, actually tweeted out yesterday that, you know, this infighting needs to stop. And I'm thinking, you of all people have the nuts to say to stop the Democrat or the Republican infighting. So where do you go from here? When you're the Republicans, where do you go from here? I want to go back first. Looking at this deal that was made to keep the government open. First off, my opinion is if you're if you want a government shutdown over a compromise to happen, I think you are definitely part of the problem. Like in no way did the American people win from a government shutdown. I mean, there was talks of there was going to be a market drop from it. Obviously, you know, service members aren't getting paid. Obviously, government workers are getting laid off. I mean, there's certain things that happen that's it's not good, right? Mm-hmm. It's- uh, so that was, it's frustrating to hear that, like, you know, there's elected officials that, like, pushed for that on both sides. Um, but this deal that was made, I mean, I thought it, I mean, maybe I don't quite understand it completely, but it seemed to me like it was, in fact, a compromise. There was no Ukraine funding. They scored disaster relief, which is what they were pushing for, right? 
Mm-hmm. And they got a 45-day extension that it kept our government alive to come back together and come up with a solution for the next year. I don't know why that's seen as betrayal because, again, McCarthy was willing to work with Democrats. He reached over to the other side to get the votes needed to pass the bill. Mm-hmm. He compromised. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand what is so crazy and outlandish about doing that. Like, if, as if you're Republican, hey, you got some wins here, right? Yeah. I mean, do you really – was is I understand the spending, right? Like, I, I want less government spending like everyone else. But to drastically just cut everything and then start defunding three-letter agencies is absolutely absurd. And it was they were they were pushing for something that was never going to happen. Getz never believed in what he was saying. The people, the Freedom Caucus knew what they were asking for was never going to get met. Oh. They knew it. There's no way that was ever going to get met. <sighs> um. So for me, it was kind of frustrating to see, like, you know, because I watched the live, um, I watched the live stuff. Like the whole weekend, my dad was here. We had the live footage on, and we were paying attention to it, and. I think I had text. I reached out to you guys and said, like, you know, like, I was, I'm not a huge McCarthy fan by any means, but it was a little refreshing to hear some of the language and like, it really seemed like the guy was fucking trying as much as he could given the circumstances and who he was fighting. Um, maybe he's just a good actor, but it really seemed like the guy was really, really trying. Um, that being said. I was also really disappointed to hear, I mean, not just the Republicans, but the Democrats too. Like, um, like when the deal was made, the language that was used on their side too. Like, I forget oh, strong. Not him, but there was another leader. It was a woman. She like went on the stand and was like, you know, McCarthy admitted defeat. The Republicans admitted defeat. And it's like, really? That's what you're gonna say? That doesn't like. It just, uh, I don't know. It would have been, I would have been more refreshing to hear like, hey, like the other side was willing to compromise and we came to a deal. Instead, they're acting like children on both sides. Who, yeah, who won? And who won? Now we're in a position where we have no least speaker of the house and we only have 45 days until the government potentially shuts down again. Again. Republicans have no idea who's next in line. I was reading some of the potential candidates. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. It's, yeah. I, like we went one step forward, but then went right back to where we were, if not two steps back. Yeah, I don't see how the American people won from this. Am I? I just I don't. No, and you you hit the nail right on the head. One of these. So to answer, and one of uh, one of our uh, followers, Colby Coleman, says, "Who will be the next speaker?" So right now, just just to clear the air, right now, this the interim House Speaker is uh, Patrick McHenry, who was so. One of the things that Kevin McCarthy has the right to do as Speaker of the House is he, and he saw this thing coming, and one of the things that he has the side, the side ability to do is, okay, handpick a interim in case that I have to step down. So just to get, Patrick McHenry, McHenry is a, not only a colleague of Kevin McCarthy, but a close friend of Kevin McCarthy. And so if you watch the vote... And that was the thing in and of itself. If you watched the vote yesterday, and it was 218 to 210. And the McCarthy, uh, he starts the hearing, gavel, 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 okay? Nobody's, and if you've ever watched anything in the House, anything in the House, the House rules to me, and this is the same thing in the Missouri House, the House rules are so lax that there'll be a guy up there standing there talking and there'll be about a million conversations going on on the floor. But yesterday when this happens, bang the gavel. They make the, we're going to do the vote. And it is dead silent in there. They go through, they do a voice, they do a voice vote of every one of these guys. And then... When the when the when the vote is called, what the final tally is two eighteen or two ten or whatever it was. There's no cheering. 
There's no, and I, this was also something else that I'd never seen before. There was no cheering. There was no booing because there's usually a lot of, I, even when they voted for McCarthy for a speaker, there was, there was some kind of, you know, blah, blah, you know, there was nothing. It was dead silent. And so the next thing you see then is Patrick McHenry coming up with, and he has the mic and he says, the Speaker of the House seat has hereby been vacated. House is in recess until further notice. And I mean, if you watch, go back and do YouTube, watch McHenry take that gavel. And I mean, I don't think I've ever seen, I've usually seen him, they just do, do, do. I mean, he got a full on just, Boom, boom, boom. And I mean, you could tell that guy was pissed. Because when you saw what happened, this is, number one, this has never happened before. This is historical that it's never happened before. And now we have put on for the whole world to see that our government is falling apart at the seams. You, you can't interpret that. You cannot be an outsider and not look at this any other way, right? I mean, if, if you're... if you're oh, Make no mistake. This was a pretty significant event that just happened. This was a coup. This was a, this was a leadership coup, you know? And for the fact that the Republicans could not agree, come to some kind of agreement on a better candidate that says a lot about the republican party i read a, so the guy who's the head of that i want to go back to that guy who's the head of the freedom caucus that jim jeffers or jim jeffers or jim jeffers i can't remember what his name is but he was referred to uh yesterday as a legislative terrorist a legislative i mean this is one and this is somebody from within his own party refers to him as a legislative terrorist why? Because he's not in it for the American people. They said the same thing about Jim Jordan, too. That's who I'm thinking of. Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan, not Jim Jeffers. Jim Jordan. That's who I'm thinking of. Jim Jordan. Okay, that's who I thought you were mentioning. I should have said something yeah, earlier. So Jim yeah, Jordan. They're saying Jim Jordan's the guy that's going to take over now, which is bananas to me that that's going that to be, be potentially the next week. That would be the biggest punch in the nuts for the American people that we could ever have. So here are your top can here are your top people who are up. This is this is from CBS um, this afternoon. Steve Scalise, who is the House Majority Floor Leader, uh, he's the second ranking Republican in the House. He announced his candidacy for the Speaker office um, this afternoon. Um, he's elected to Congress in 2008. He was actually, if you guys remember that shooting. At a cap at the Capitol softball game that they had a few years ago, he actually was yeah, he, he was actually wounded and almost died in that attack. Um, uh, he's he's had he's also been dealing with cancer here lately. Um, but you have Scalise. Right, I don't know much about his history, but his little statement. I know what article you're referring to. He yeah. made the statement of like you know he he wants to kind of be that unification voice and the like um kind of unite the house is kind of what he was going for which hey if, if that's true and you're willing to compromise i know they hate to do it but maybe he's not a bad choice grant i don't know Any, his history yeah he, but he sounds more open-minded than jim jordan he comes from a safe constituency in louisiana jim jordan uh the chairman of the house judiciary committee um and the su that select subcommittee on the weaponization. This was the guy who was talking about the weaponization of the federal government. We 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 actually did a podcast about that um, earlier on. They, he we've got him and some of the things that he said. He said, you know, we're at a critical crossroad in our nation's history. Now is the time for our Republican conference to come together. To keep our promises to Americans, the problems we face cha are challenging, but they are not insurmountable. Uh, we can focus on the cha changes that improve the country and unite us in offering real solution. But no matter what we do, we must do it together as a conference. Okay. Um, 
and he's one of these guys, you know, with on board with this whole Ukraine thing. Uh, the most pressing issue on Americans' mind is not Ukraine, it's the border situation, okay? Um, this guy is from Ohio, okay? So again, Ohio's 4th District, highly contested district, okay? Um, yeah, John Boehner was the one who called him, a, a former House Speaker John Boehner called Jordan a legislative terrorist. Um, so you've got that Kevin Hearn, uh, who represents Oklahoma's first congressional district? Um, he he's another one who's so these are I believe those are your top three. There's speculation that Matt Getz will be, pardon my French, but the ass clown that he is, and he will probably throw his hat into the ring as well. Oh my god! You know, <clears throat> so I want to offer this perspective. We've got about 20 minutes left. And I want to offer this perspective and go, let's look, let's look realistically at what the Republicans have done with this situation. And in my view, and I kind of heard this echoed on other, on other podcasts and other streaming services uh, yesterday. When you look back at the election, the midterm elections of 2022, and it was supposed to be the red wave, and it was going to be all of this, you know, we're going to get out, we're going to take the Senate, we're going to just have an overwhelming, you know, because what they thought they had, they thought that they had the finger on the pulse of America, and, the, and what they believed was the pulse was, was that Joe Biden is just, he's sucking it up, and, his, and it's still true, his approval ratings are in the toilet. But when the election came around, it didn't turn out to be what they thought. And in my opinion, one of the things that I... They showed out of touch they were. Yeah. Number one, they're out of touch. Number two, I think it it was a reaction to Republican policy. You know, exactly. stand, stand wherever you want to. And we've had our discussions on Roe v. Wade and pro-choice versus pro-life. You know, I'm I'm a very pro-life person. Um, I believe in case, you know, we've, we've had that discussion. We've been down that road. But the way the Republicans presented it and the way they gloated on it and the way that they, I mean, that angered and that made a lot of women mad. That's why you saw a record number of women vote in this last, in that midterm election. You know, their, their response to how the ugliness in which they're using to respond to the whole LGBTQ thing. I, again, I don't agree with that agenda, but when you, when you go into, I think when you go into a position of government, you have to come with the idea that just because you have the majority doesn't mean you neglect the minority. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you, you, you do not just say, well, piss on the piss on the minority. We're the ones who are in charge now. You don't do that. And we've come to this place in this country and we've had this, you and I've had this discussion on and off the show before that you have to, you have to be able, like you said earlier, to reach across the aisle and work with the other side to get the goals of America met. We're not about America. We're about party now. So, and, well, and no, I too, representing, representing the people is more, is, isn't just representing the people who agree with you. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, you're elected not just by the people who voted for you, but like you represent everyone from wherever you whatever your state is or whatever it is. So and, they tend to forget that. Right. And so now moving forward. So now moving forward. Now, now not only do you have a bad taste in your mouth about Republican policy, but you're also going to have a bad taste in your mouth about Republican governing their, their style of governing. All right. The I'm going to stab you in the back unless you totally tow the the. I mean, if you don't tow the Republican line, if you don't tow the party line, we're going to toss you. We're going to toss you out on your ear. You know, I 
McCarthy probably could have done this better by not gloating as much and saying, hey, I'm the adult in the room. McCarthy could have, I think McCarthy probably could have saved, he probably could have got, he didn't get one Democrat to vote for him yesterday. It was the, the Democrats who were, again, all the Democrats and the eight Republicans that were against him. And I might also surprisingly add on a side note, Marjorie Taylor Greene was not one of those people. Lauren Boebert yeah. was not one of those people. So, I mean, he had he had those two nut jobs on his side. But, you know. <laughs> and I, I would say with his, with his gloating, like that statement he made, he was getting kind of irritated with the press. Like they were kind of asking questions to kind of, I would say they were definitely fishing there. Mm-hmm. with some other questions and i i, I kind of understood why he was getting pissed with some of those questions and that's probably why he kind of went on a little tantrum with that statement mm-hmm. but at the same time like i i, I kind of had to agree with him though like i mean with what he i mean his statement yeah he could have like you said he could have went about it the better way but like a compromise had to be made yeah yeah which i don't but whatever if that's it if <laughs> Betraying your party is, I don't know. That, I, that was strong language. I don't I thought that was strong language. But, that was too strong a language to say you're betraying your party. Is it about the party or is it about the people? You just took the words right out. Evidently, you just it's about it the party when you make statements like that. To me, if that doesn't concern you. Hearing your officials saying that kind of stuff, if that if you agree with your officials making statements like that, that is exactly the part of the problem with with our country and everything I, I, the thing that that really shocks and and sh- I guess I should say even shames me the most is again how how device and this kind of go and I touched a little bit on this last week about kindness and just the common decency of people there is no common decency in Congress anymore, in my opinion. You you have, you know, either the newly bred or the nearly dead in Congress. <laughs> you know, you got these guys who are so green behind the ears that they're going to take the world by storm. I've got, you know, you know, screw, screw the way we've done things in the past and compromise. We're going to bull charge gate and we're going to drain the swamp and we're going to do things this way. Here's how it's going to be, you know, and, and here's your, you know, and we're not going to be censored and we're going to say what we think. And we're going to be the Marjorie Taylor greens and the Lauren Boberts and the Matt Getzes and the, and you know, the Jim Jordans and all of these guys, we're going to go out there and we're going to make a name for ourselves and to hell with everything else, the way we've done it in the past. And we're right, you know, and I've used this analogy many times where I'm right, you're wrong, I'm smart, you're stupid. And you're right, Travis. I mean, doing what is the bigger picture? Because right now, America is becoming more disunified than we could possibly be. And I have to agree with Kevin McCarthy on the fact, you know, even though I wouldn't have made this statement, you know, somebody has to be the adult in the room and not not just moan and cry and take up your toys and go home when you don't get things your way. Which is what which is right. what what's happened which is what happened to McCarthy. You and know? now we have this extension, like but even with the days we have left, is anything gonna happen now? Because now we have a house that's in shambles. <laughs> We're wasting they're wasting time trying to figure out that clusterfuck well, and the, the clock's ticking on coming on a, another compromise and depending on who the next speaker is i don't think that compromise is going to happen well and here's here's something to here here's something to to ponder okay right now and i'm and i've just pulled up the house of representative schedule okay they're scheduled to go into recess on November the tw- what November the 23rd no November the 21st okay 
and you'll be on recess then until probably after the new year. How, I mean, what are we, so that's, that's a little, so that, that 45 days will come up. So that'll be November the, November the 4th and then another 15. I mean, that'll put them right up against the recess date. So let me ask if there's a shutdown. Are they going to pull that? Well, we're in recess. See you guys in January, and the government just stays shut down for the rest of the year. Or do they like? Well, that's the point. Stay I'm bringing, there and yeah. get the job that's, done. That's exactly what I'm asking. Are we? Are we going to go home and just say, "Well, we tried. Good job. We tried." Because if that's the case, they they should all be out of office at that point. All well, of them should be fired at that point. So, not to be so anti-government, but God, it is so frustrating. Just. So this is if you pay attention to this stuff, it really does get frustrating. To me, this is so now here. So here, here is an instance in which you do need someone who can sit back and make sense of this. You know, I, if if at any time you want to have a, a a case for a third party, now's the time. Now's oh, the 100%. now's the time to throw a wild card into it. And it may not be an RFK Jr. It may not. I would love for it to be a Robert Kennedy Jr. I mean, that's the guy who's carrying my vote right now. But somebody has got to come along and put some pressure on the status quo. The status quo is we're arguing against each other. We're not working together to get government. We're working for the power of the party. Throw a wild card in there, right? Throw a wild card in there and... And get somebody who can say, I've got an idea. Because what we have is not working at all. And I don't think anything that, that the Republicans can throw out in the next 45 days is going to be any kind of solution at all. I mean, what do you think, Travis? I mean, is there anything? Are we going to see anything accomplished? Depending on the, I mean, I think the speaker can definitely have some influence to whoever they decide. Um, but if it's who I'm thinking it's going to be, I think it's going to be the same ridiculous dead-end demands that are just not going to be met, whether you agree with them or not. I mean, there has to be some realistic demands, and there has to be some realistic – again, I'm using the word compromise because Republicans aren't going to get everything they want, and vice versa. Democrats aren't going to get everything they want. That's that's the point, right? So, yeah, I, I just – I don't see a solution coming. I would. I hope there's a solution. I hope that they can step up and re- understand the heaviness of the situation and come together and actually make something happen. But I mean, the last guy that like pushed to make something happen just got fired. So um, I look. Who back knows? From a historical standpoint, because I, 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 you know, you go back and you do some some history search of, of past speakers of the house. Obviously we know about Nancy Pelosi, probably one of the most hated women in Republican politics. Who's a Democrat. Um, you know, she held the position on and off between 2002 until this last term. Uh, you had before her, you had John Boehner, John Boehner, who was the, you had Nancy Pelosi, John Boehner, Nancy Pelosi, and then you went to Paul uh, Ryan, and then you went from Paul Ryan to Kevin McCarthy. And, you know, Paul Ryan to me was, he wasn't a superhero, but at the same time he was very responsible. John Boehner was, that guy was, he was, you know, he was kind of a thrown over from from old school, and but you go back to some of these speakers, the guy who dominated the eighties. Go if you go and look at the picture of this guy, Tip O'Neill, in the eighties, he was a Republican Speaker of the House, and Tip O'Neill was your typical Irish big man. I mean, he he looked the part of like you know. Just the old Irish mob boss looking guy, but he was, you know, and he ran the Senate. You go back to the days, and I, I mentioned Champ Clark earlier from Missouri when he was the Speaker of the House. And Champ Clark, you know, he he was pretty much the boss of, of the House in the 20s. 
and he didn't let any crap go. I mean, he kept a stiff rule on the house. So you've had you've had rulers. I mean, Nancy Pelosi again, not the most liked person, but she kept her house in order. She kept her party in order. You know, you had the uh, AOCs who kind of questioned her. But at the end of the day, Nancy Pelosi's like, hey, my bark is worse, you know, my bite's worse than your bark. So, so shut the heck up and, and know your role. And AOC shuts her mouth and backs off in the corner. To me... I don't see anyone doing that to Getz. No. Not right now. No, right now... It not happen at all. Kevin McCarthy's not going to do that. Kevin McCarthy didn't... No, he's not even running again. He, well, yeah, and Kevin McCarthy... To me, Kevin McCarthy never had control. He never had control. He gave up control the minute he agreed to that stipulation that one person could allow a revote. And he and and then you look at to all of these people, the Freedom Caucus, you know, the the Jim um, uh, Jordan making him the head of the House Judiciary Committee again. You know, letting him. That guy has that guy always has a microphone in his face, and giving you know big big positions to all these people and promising people seats on these committees and that committees. You know, you make too many deals, like we said at the beginning. One of them's going to fall through, and it's going to it's going to bite you in the butt, and it did. So mm -hmm. now you have a Republican House that a Republican controlled House. That's in disarray. They're in civil war. Yeah. And you're going, and here's the, and I'll get your thoughts on this and we'll just call it a night. To me, and I may be totally pessimistic. I may be overly pessimistic on this. To me, this is the beginning of a downward trend for the Republican Party for at least, at least the next two to three terms. At least. And you've seen this historically in the past. Whenever a major policy change, policy shift has occurred, or a major historical event that happened when one party was in power, then you look at the next uh, two examples and then I'm done. After the Civil War, you saw Republican domination in the House and the Senate and in the presidency from 1865 until 1928. In that time, you only had one Democratic president. I'll take it back. Two Democratic presidents. You had uh, Grover Cleveland and you had Woodrow Wilson. Only two Democrats you had. That was the Republican era of politics. And then after the Great Depression, when the Republicans hum-hawed around and they couldn't get any problem solved with Herbert Hoover... Then you had FDR who stepped in, and you didn't have a Democrat. You only had one Republican president between 19, from, from 1932 until um, 1968. And in that span, the only, the only Republican you had was Adlai Stevenson. And then you had Nixon. So you look at, you look at when these major... You're gonna see. You're gonna see. In my opinion, what we're gonna see happen is we're going to see this downtrend for the Republicans. I mean, I, I think it would be a miracle of God to see a Republican-controlled House or a Republican-controlled Senate for at least the next two or three terms. What do you? What, what's your final thoughts on this, Travis? I don't think you're far off in that. Um... I, yeah, I, I don't see how they bounce back the next, like what the next election even looks like for the Republican. I don't see a red wave happening. I can tell you that. If anything, I mean, I'll even, we can even talk presidency. I, I think this helps the Biden and Kamala 2024 train even more, which concerns me greatly. And yeah, I don't, I, I just don't see how. Well, and that and I'm yeah. kind of at a loss of words by it because I, 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 I feel that you really hit the nail on the head with that assessment, and it is concerning to me. 
for many reasons. I mean, you look at policies that are happening right now, and if there's no other alternative to what is happening, that's a problem. And I think most people would agree with that. But again, it goes back to, okay, then what do you vote for? Do you vote for a, the same old shit, or do you look outside the box, third party perhaps? Um, who knows? But I, I just – I don't see it happening. People haven't – there hasn't been a third-party majority since – well, uh, well, even then, Roosevelt didn't win with the Bull, with Bull, the Bull Moose Party. He, when, when, yeah, he ran, when, but he didn't win as a third-party, correct? He, he he had the second-most votes. I mean, yeah. But and still. The, he, took, um, he, he took votes away from Taft, and he – yeah. So – but you know, I I picked my dad's. I want to share this really quick. And Grant, he might change his mind now after this whole happening. Because this was Sunday when I was talking to him after they they announced that a deal was made. Right. I had asked him. It's like, Dad, you know, it just seems crazy to me. Like, is this the craziest you've ever seen government? Because to me, this is just insane. And he, he didn't take. He was pretty quick to answer. He's like, No, this isn't the craziest. I was like. This isn't the craziest you've ever seen. Like, what is the craziest you've seen the government or most ridiculous? I asked him the most ridiculous, not the most crazy. And he said, in his opinion, the most ridiculous he's seen the government was the Nixon period. Yeah, I was going to say that. And you could uh, – fair. I mean it was pretty ridiculous, the corruption and stuff that went on during that time. <laughs> but it gave me a little bit of like, okay, well, maybe things aren't that ridiculous and we're just going through a thing right now. Uh, and then the next day, McCarthy loses his seat or loses the speaker spot. Which, <laughs> so granted, he might change his opinion on that now. But yeah, um, it, it'd be it's going to be very curious to see what what comes from this. My my concern right now isn't even you know what's the future Republican Party. I don't give a shit. My concern <laughs> right now is okay. How does the government stay open now? We have a cup. We have less than two months to figure it out, and I just don't see how it's ha- going to happen. Unless Republicans just sign off on anything, which I don't think they're going to. They don't care about keeping the government open, in my opinion. I'll share one more thing real quick. So to I an have, extent. I, I shouldn't I, say that. That's kind of extreme. But <laughs> I had I have a former student right now who is working. He's doing uh, kind of an internship. He's getting training on heavy equipment and everything like that. And he's working with the U.S. Forestry Department. And he actually, so he's been up in Michigan for... Uh, for about the last month, and he's been, you know, he's working at a in a federal fo- uh, forest reserve up there, building new roads into it and everything. And on Friday, he he posted on his Snapchat story. He's like, "Washing the truck before the shutdown, so I have a clean truck to look at while I'm sitting," you know. And so that's the thing. If the government shuts down, he's stuck up there. He, he's stuck up there. Won't be able to come home. And he's not going to be able to work. He's like, I'm getting paid to shine my truck up right now just in case she shuts down. Oh. And I don't think people realize I, – I, I, I want to touch on this before we leave. Like a government shutdown, sure it affects your government employees and stuff. I don't think people realize the effect it has on everything else. Like – it is undoubtedly going to affect everything else. I mean, the market's already slowing down. I see it in my trade, and I thought it was just telecommunications. I have talked to several people in other trades. It is slowing down everywhere right now. This whole Bidenomics thing, uh, mm-hmm. it ain't it. Ain't it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're, hurting for, we're hurting for jobs out here. I don't care what the employment numbers say. People may be employed, but your 40-hour weeks might be questionable. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's slowing down. This is going to make. The, this is I, gonna, I don't see how this is going to be a hard winter. I'm actually like concerned about this winter. Yeah. Well, as long as I still have young young minds to shape, I still have I I have job security for right now. So unless the government shuts Man, all that down, starting to sound a little sound interesting. Well, you know. But anyway, hey, uh, thank you to everybody who uh, joined us this week. We had a few people who jumped on in the comments. Sorry we didn't get to all the comments on the chat bar tonight. Uh, yes. Oh, Tip O'Neill was a Democrat. Okay. I didn't. I thought he was Republican. Thank you, Colby, for that. Tip O'Neill was a Democrat, not thank a you. Republican. Um, yes, and God help us all, indeed. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know. end it right there. Yep. Yeah, God help us all. God That's help us all. 
Sean will be back. Sean, uh, just to give a quick update to Sean will be back with us. Probably, probably going to be a couple more weeks yet. Um, but, uh, be remembering him. Good thoughts and prayers for him, please. Um, everything is fine with Sean. He's doing good. Everything's not, you know, the world's not melting out in California, uh, going through a transition phase right now. Uh, but Sean will be back soon with us and, uh, he's lying. There's fires, there's blackouts. <laughs> yeah. Homelessness have taken uh, over his yeah, home. I know. Yeah. There's the homeless bums who are, who are spooning out in front of his apartment complex right now. So anyway, thank you for joining us. Uh, for Travis Kirkendall, Sean Phillips, my name is Andy Van Bibber. Until next time, this is the Voice of Reason podcast where you can catch us on Apple, Apple Music. You can catch us on Amazon. You can check, catch us on Google, wherever you can. Please like, please share, please follow us on TikTok. Please follow us on Facebook Reels where we can, you can see us on there as well. Until next time, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the Voice of Reason podcast. Be sure to check out our other content on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok.